Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. Detroit stormed banner night in KC and got the win. Is it time for the Lions to restore the roar? Plus, the Kansas City Chiefs are 0-1 to start their Super Bowl defense. And the Aaron Rodgers era begins this week for the New York Jets. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on or enter promo code locked on for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Shh, do you hear that? The roar. It's percolating. It's not restored yet, but after a week one win in Arrowhead on Thursday night, the Detroit Lions have at least fans thinking about restoring the Rory 21 to 20 thriller and Jared Goff, Dan Campbell. They are saying we are here. Speaking of here, Matt Derry here with us now. And he is our host for locked on lions. Matt, how did Detroit go into Arrowhead? One of the toughest places in the league to play and go win. Pete. I mean, it was a, uh, what a wild game, certainly uh, on Thursday night. The Lions were not just there to show up, not just there to get a little run on NBC and, and be the cute little story. They came in there and were very physical early. I thought the defense played pretty darn well, holding Patrick Mahomes to 20 points. Obviously, Kelsey was not there. The Kadarius Tony drops were a huge factor in this game. But at mm. the end, Lions down six. Really impressive drive. Defense gets a stop. Then they run it out with, with, with just physical play up front with their offensive line. Shades of what happened in Green Bay last year in week 18. I just got to bring that one and, up. <laughs> you, you, you know it well. And uh, they're 1-0. This was uh, some kind of victory. No one is going to take the win away from them, right? It counts. It's in the standings. The hay is in the barn. All those cliches. But we know no Chris Jones, no Travis Kelsey for this one. So if you're if you're going to do the glass half empty take here you could say okay well the chiefs didn't have their two best players if you're the lions what's the counter to that you don't care you you you, <laughs> you know you, you don't care mahomes is 5 and 0 oh and going into tonight in week 1 games um a lot of things went against the lions i mean taylor the right tackle for the chiefs terry McCauley on nbc the referee expert the former referee is saying yeah. he jumps off sides or he he's false starting on every play and he's lined not lined up, up correctly lined up as a slot receiver chris collinsworth said at one <laughs> point like he just was not not in a legal position the whole game right so you know and, and, and look that's a tough place to play they raised the banner all of those things i just think for detroit and you know this well peter you've been around this division i mean they just don't they don't do this this is not something that Lions fans are used to Lions executives. Anybody is used to the last two games they played a, on NBC in front of everybody, and they've gone into Lambeau and Arrowhead and won. That's arguably the two toughest places to win. So, hey, sky's the limit for this team, and they can play a lot better. There were things they didn't do well. They didn't the play calling wasn't great. Jameer Gibbs guy touches the ball every time, and it's eight nine yards to touch. Yet there were series he was on the sidelines. They got things to correct, and yet they still won. Yeah, winning, not just going into Lambeau Field and won, beat Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field, and then went into Arrowhead. Didn't just go into Arrowhead and won, beat Patrick Mahomes. Pretty good stretch 
for this Lions team. Matt, thanks for your time. All right, Pete. Thank you. Stay up to date all year on the Detroit Lions by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Lions on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, how important is game one for the New York Jets? Before we get to that, Joe Burrow is the highest paid player in NFL history. I've never had a pair of shorts that made me look good while also being really comfortable until I got a pair of bird dogs. Bird dogs just make you look good. They are stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit like a dream. I'm wearing them right now. I wore them all day. It was 96 here. And I wore them all day and I'm still wearing them and they're wonderful. Bird Dogs invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice that movement. You can seriously go from the couch to the golf course to a night out with the same pair of Bird Dogs on. I did it today. These are the most comfortable pair of shorts I've ever owned. Go to birddogs.com slash lockdown or enter promo code lockdown for a free water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash lockdown or promo code lockdown for that water bottle with your order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Cincinnati Bengals have finally decided to back up the Brinks truck and have made franchise quarterback Joe Burrow the highest paid player in NFL history. The deal worth $275 million over the next five years with $219 million guaranteed. Burrow's contract also has the second most guarantees in NFL history behind only the Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson. A lot of guaranteed money in that division. Over $219 million in guarantees for Joe Burrow on his new five-year extension. I'm Jake Lisko from Lockdown Bengals, and we're working on an emergency podcast on this Joe Burrow deal But until then, five years, $275 million for Joe Burrow, making him the highest paid player in the NFL and blowing away any total guarantees the Bengals have ever done before, breaking precedent for their best player. And it makes all the sense in the world. We've talked about this contract potentially or very likely forcing the Bengals to break their structure all along. And certainly in doing this deal, they've guaranteed money outside of year one of this contract. Joe Burrow will be in Cincinnati through the 2029 season. He's got seven years left now with this five-year extension, making $55 million per year in new money on those additional five years. We'll have more for you over on the Locked On Bengals feed on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcast very soon. Another former LSU Tiger is looking to get paid. Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson has said he wants to sign an extension with the franchise. Jefferson has an NFL record 4,825 receiving yards through the first three years of his career. It's essentially the greatest start to a receiver career in NFL history. This doesn't become a problem until like this time next year because Justin Jefferson will play on his fifth year option in 2024 he could be tagged the year after that like they've got lots and lots of team control that they can sort of lord over justin jefferson if an extension truly becomes an issue um that means the extension gets more and more expensive as time goes on it also lasts longer right because you're starting it later so it lasts into uh, higher aged seasons for for justin jefferson which is good right now because he's young so we get you know those more of those prime seasons but you know if he signs after say jamar chase will get his extension next year And if Jefferson signs after that, he might have his price affected by that. So 
all of this goes to say it's definitely not anything to worry about for a while. But hey, maybe they get a little nickel and dimed about it. Um, and if they wait too long, then they might, you know, that the they might have to pay a little bit more or they stare at him for a year and he capitulates and he and he, you know, takes less than his agent was asking for. The University of North Carolina will be without wide receiver Tez Walker for the 2023 season after he lost his appeal for eligibility following his transfer from Kent State. Breaking news. The committee reviewing UNC wide receiver Tez Walker's case has voted to deny the reinstatement of his eligibility, meaning that Tez Walker will not play for North Carolina this season. This comes a day after the NCAA's tone-deaf tweet about supporting student-athletes in their mental health. A biting statement coming out from head coach Mac Brown, quote, I don't know that I've ever been more disappointed in a person, a group of people, or an institution than I am with the NCAA right now. Plain and simple, the NCAA has failed Tez and his family, and I've lost all faith in its ability to lead and govern our sport. In a quote from A.D. Bubba Cunningham, this decision undermines the fair treatment of student-athletes and further erodes the public's confidence in our national governing body. So what's next? Will we see legal action? Will Carolina accept this news and move on? We'll find out, but on Saturday, the Tar Heels host App State and will do so without Tez Walker. New Orleans Saints tight end Jimmy Graham will not be charged following his August arrest in Newport Beach. Graham was arrested for being under the influence, but it was a later announced he had a medical episode that left him disoriented. There will be plenty of things for Chiefs fans to excuse in a week one performance by the Kansas City Chiefs. Not only were they coming off a Super Bowl win, pretty nice, but no Travis Kelsey in this one, no Chris Jones in this one. Still a 21 to 20 loss like this has to sting Chris Clark from Locked On Chiefs joins me now. And Chris, um, I think Kadarius Tony just dropped another pass as we're recording this. I'm not sure if you can confirm that. What happened in this game for the Chiefs to, for long stretches of this game, look so unchiefs-like? Well, uh, it, it begins and ends in, on third down. Uh, mm-hmm. Four for six, I think, in the first half, and 0 for seven in the second. Uh, yeah. you, you can't win games that way. You're just you're going to lose if you go 0 for seven on third down, uh, unless your offense is just so fantastic. You're moving the ball up and down the field uh, on second on first and second down. But the problem is, is if you have seven third downs, and I think actually I'm counting a fourth down in there too. So six third downs and a fourth down attempt. Um, if you have that many attempts, you're not going to win the game. Uh, you cannot score points not moving the ball on third down and you know, when it happened, I actually agreed with Andy Reid not to go for it. Uh, when he was closer to the goal line, I was thinking that, you know, maybe he would go for it on fourth and two. But I agreed with the call because I thought Kansas City was going to get another chance to score a touchdown, and it just never happened that way. The offense last year with very similar players, you know, with Travis Kelsey, of course, won a Super Bowl. So it's hard to sit here and say the skill position players aren't good enough, especially – Chiefs media, Chiefs fans, very excited about Justin Ross and what he could do in this offense. He has yet to really have a meaningful moment in the NFL. Still, though, Chris, it's hard to watch this game and not come away going, are we sure they have enough around Patrick Mahomes to be consistent week in and week out, especially in an AFC? I mean, this this Lions team might be the third or fourth best team in the NFC, but if they were in the AFC, they'd be like the eighth or ninth best team in the AFC. Are we sure they have enough around Patrick Mahomes to compete with this version 
of the AFC? Oh, I think they do. I think that this is, there's a couple of things that played into this. If you have Travis Kelsey, I think you win the game and you may win the game by two scores. Uh, I, and he may not have gotten the touchdowns, but he's moving the ball on third down at least two or three of those times in the second half. And he's probably converting uh, one of the third downs in the first half that they missed. Uh, his presence not being on the field was huge for them, but you can't just rely on him every single time, obviously. And and the big thing for them is you can't just continue dropping balls. Kadarius Tony had one of the roughest games that I've seen from a wide receiver. Uh, that's going to be hard to come back from. But you look at the first half where she Rice did phenomenal things after dropping the first pass. They went back to him. He caught a touchdown. Then he had that big uh, play to get him in position before the MVS big catch and the Justin Watson big play to score another touchdown. And then he disappeared in the second half. I think I only actually saw him in on one play. There's lots of questions as to how this is going to work out. I think they have the players around the homes and I think it'll be fine. It's just going to take time. Defensively. What did you think of how this team held up without its best player? And, and I think pretty clearly it's best player. Well, I would say he's their best player, but I would also say that anytime that the defense gives up 14 points, which is what happened tonight, the Chiefs yeah. should win and it shouldn't be close. Uh, this was all on their offense and I'll be quite frank on it. Uh, Chris Jones, I think really kind of lost leverage tonight. Yeah, they lost and, and people are going to say that maybe he gains leverage by the loss, but the defense looked great tonight and the Lions are going to be a good offense this year. Stay up to date all year on the Kansas City Chiefs by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Chiefs on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, how important is game one for the New York Jets? The new look New York Jets kick off their 2023 NFL season. Where else but on primetime Monday night football. And we just figured with all of the shenanigans that are going to go on in week one on Sunday, we were not going to have time to talk about the biggest game of week one, which is Aaron Rodgers as a New York Jet taking on his buddy, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. John Butchko from Locked on Jets joins me now. And John, this is a team that got to have Aaron Rodgers in OTAs, got to have Aaron Rodgers for a little bit of the preseason, but this is still, still all new territory for him and this team. What are reasonable expectations for them in their first game of the season? Well, I think you're hoping they come out strong. You know, I don't think there's ever a must win in game one, but this is a game against the team. That's the biggest competition in the, in the division is a chance to bank a victory against that team. And, you know, late in the season, you know, tiebreakers may come into play and this, we may look back on this game as a pretty significant one. I think if you look at the jet schedule, the tough part, at least on paper, you never know. I mean, sometimes teams surprise you by being good. Sometimes teams surprise you by being bad, but it seems like the tougher games are in the front part. So I think really the first six, seven weeks, just about survival, you know, getting through it 500 because things really start to open up around, you know, mid to late October and this team can go on a run. So I think that, you know, I look at it not just in terms of week one, but I look at the first couple of games and you want to just bank a couple wins. You want to get, you don't want to fall too far behind, but I really do think if this team can get through the first six games, like three and three, they'll be in great position to, take advantage of what at least on paper looks like a softer schedule in the second half. Yeah. It, it may not be a must win, but isn't it a, a must not look bad? Like if, if things do not go well, suddenly you may get a sulkier version of Aaron Rodgers. but let's just for, for our listeners who may not have the jet schedule memorized home for the bills in this game at Dallas 
home for New England, home for Kansas City, at Denver versus Philly, at Giants, home for the Chargers. That is, it's not just the first six, like it's really the first eight games, first half of the season. This is pretty brutal. It seems like you'd really like to, you'd like to look pretty decent, even if you lose the game. It, you'd like to go down swinging, right? Like there's an aesthetic portion of this too, even if the BCS is not involved. Well, I think, you know, there, there's two aspects of this. There's the guys in the locker room, and Jets have a veteran roster. Um, if you actually look, there was one uh, one reporter who actually compiled the ages of the average age of each 53-man roster after cut down. The Jets have the second oldest 53-man roster in the league. So I actually think that this team has will have the maturity to handle a bit of a rough start, but then there's also the New York component. There's the media, the fans, and... I don't think the phrase keeping it all in perspective has ever applied to anything happening in New York. So I actually think the team can survive, you know, a bit of a uneven start. You know, if you look historically and there aren't a ton of examples of this, but if you look at great quarterbacks who have changed teams with Tom Brady, of course they won the Super Bowl the first year, but the first couple of months they were kind of uneven and they caught, they caught fire at the end of the season. Uh, Peyton Manning, Broncos ended up with the one seed in the AFC his first year, but they got off to a bit of a slow start the first month. Brett Favre, uh, you know, you go back to 2008. Jets Heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> Last time the Jets traded for a Packers Hall of Fame quarterback 15 years ago, that was an uneven start. I mean, there was a game in San Diego week three where he had no idea where the receivers were going. I mean, he was throwing <laughs> the ball like, like receivers were cutting across the field. He's throwing a deep route. And that was a little different because the Jets traded for him in training camp and he didn't really know the system. But didn't I he do. also, though, have like a six touchdown game? He did against the, it was very up and down. He did he against Arizona, but he only caught fire the middle portion of that season. And then he got injured and the end of the season was a disaster. And, you know, if he hadn't gotten injured, who knows what would have happened. But I think it can take a little bit of time. So I, I understand the point. Look, you, you can't get off to a one and five star. You can't get off to an 0 and four star. I think that if you play decent football the first half of the season, the there might be some panic when they lose a game from the media, from the fans, but I think the guys in the locker room will be able to handle it. And finally, the Detroit Lions and offensive coordinator Ben Johnson have said they would use 12th overall pick Jameer Gibbs in ways never seen before. Apparently those ways were to draft a running back in the top 12 and then refuse to give him the football. Revolutionary stuff. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up next week, the NFL season is here and we will recap all of it. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today.